Google, Microsoft, and, and all of the companies, they're filled with Indians, right? Even CEO of Google and CEO of Microsoft uh, is an Indian origin person. It doesn't really matter if India or US. Just if, if you are an Indian and you feel you can build something great, you can build in US, you can build in India also. Paris, thank you so much uh, for talking today. First, I will go to the question which is there on top of my mind. You know, the way you have built Bengipai, it's not Asaniki chance. Say Asa Huahe, there has been uh, your effort, there has been your thinking, conscious thinking, the decisions that you've taken, and, and what an extraordinary solid business that you've built. If I have to ask you, what were some of the key decisions that have got you to be where you are today? What would you say? Oh, I mean, that's a, that's a heavy question. <laughs> um, I think, uh, I mean, there's obviously startup success is a very sort of, uh, I think, complex outcome of so many factors. But if I were to pick a few, uh, I would suggest, I mean, so Wingify was not the first thing I did and it turned out, uh, uh, you know, well, it was actually my fourth attempt at doing something. So I think the first factor was definitely this repeated trial of uh, trying to do something and learning from you know every sort of failure. And um, so yeah, after like a couple of these startup projects, uh, Wingify and every startup projects taught me something. So I think one factor was definitely just this repeated iteration. I mean, that's like you keep hammering until something breaks down. I think that's the number one factor that uh, worked in favor for me because I always knew that uh, I have to be an entrepreneur, I have to start up and I didn't know anything else which I wanted to make of my life. Uh, I think that's one and the second one um, is this, I mean, I come from a very engineering slash product orientation wherein for a very long time in Wingify, um, we didn't even have product managers. We didn't even know that there is a role like product management. It was a bunch of us engineers, me, Sparsh, Ankit, and a couple of other engineers just building and hacking together product. And um, I think because we were not very sort of, uh, uh, say, market-oriented, for lack of a better word, you know, uh, I think we were very sort of passionately in love with the product uh, we were building. And I think it works when you have product market fit. Of course, this passionate mm. love can backfire also if you're building something nobody wants. But because what we were building had clicked in the market to a certain extent, I think that love for the product propelled us to get to the next stage. What that drove you to this thing that, uh, you know, you want to be an entrepreneur? Um, so I think uh, I got exposed to computer uh, earlier than my peers. And when I say computer, dad brought home a computer. Uh, when I was, I think, 13 or something. And uh, I just immediately sort of fell in love with the whole idea of programming. Uh, I mean, th- there was this visual basic, I'm not sure if you know or not, but it was like drag and drop and you make cute little programs like calculator and stuff. So whole day long, I was just make things. And uh, I think that's when I came across uh, Paul Graham's essay. So Paul Graham is founder of this accelerator called Y Combinator, yeah. very popular figure i'm sure you know a lot of audience would know it uh, but he writes so well uh, he writes so clearly 
and he had written a few essays on you know why to do a startup and they really struck with me and then i then inspired by that i bought this book called founders at work which mm. is written by jessica livingston uh, she's paul graham's uh, wife but also uh, co-founder of uh, y combinator and she has a lot of experience so she had interviewed these people from founders of google founders of yahoo and so on and so forth and that's when you know i mean when i read those interviews that's when i realized that it's possible to build a company without uh, putting a factory down or yeah. so on because growing up i think in 90s you have this idea of a company being like tata birla reliance these huge industries yeah. uh, but when you read that you know google founders built a company just through their laptops essentially then it felt like ha huh, if i am enjoying programming why not you know, i can build something of my own so it, yeah i mean i i think i was biased towards it but a lot of i think my environment like my dad pushing me to do computers and he's also passionate about computers and getting access to the right kinds of articles like paul graham that just you know worked in favor bingify today it is a very successful scaled profitable if i may say so startup you will you call it a startup or not a startup um i think it's i mean i mean startup word, word is uh, i think over abused uh but it's a state of mind i think even a company like google is a startup or a facebook yeah. rather yeah. than the size if i were to use startup as something akin to a state of mind where you're always thinking that you know you've not even just started in that sense bingify is definitely a startup uh, so even though you know we've scaled but uh, it feels the entire opportunity is ahead of us rather than you know the behind of what we've built so in that sense yes we are definitely very much a startup to get to this stage what were some of the key things that you did to build this uh, company and second which is and, and and i was just saying that you know it's scaled profitable startup but it's bootstrap you haven't raised yeah. venture capital money which to me is such an outlier and 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 everyone needs to hear this story again and again so how come oh uh, i mean if we i mean it's like choosing to raise uh i mean being bootstrap was actually a result of non decision so rather than being an active decision and by that i mean that uh we we never knew what would we do differently if we had you know uh, more funding because uh, i've always felt that constraints to our growth uh, i mean there are of course many constraints to growth of a company but uh, some of the biggest constraints have been you know my own evolution as a leader company's leadership bandwidth and uh, similarly uh, our culture and uh, the way we are positioned in the market and how many competitors we have so if you list like 10 factors that limit uh, how fast a company can grow i think funding is probably just one of the many other factors and that extra money can also you know maybe help with a few factors but it cannot replace other factors you cannot for example create a very productive culture just because you've raised money and similarly uh, you may hire some uh, leaders but whether they work out for you or not I, that's also not a function of money so money solves very few problems and in that context you know we never got around to answering uh, what important factors could solve could money solve for us so if we were profitable from day one and we have been profitable for last 10 right. years every year so, so so there was never a very strong reason to raise funding profitability was it a conscious decision that you wanted to be profitable from yeah, earlier very much i mean uh, because 
I think I was not exposed to the whole uh, VC style thinking of growth at all costs. So to me, I mean, from day one, business was simply you have revenue, you subtract cost and you get profit. So that equation, uh, I mean, it was as clear as a mathematical equation in my head. So I, I, I can't still, I think, fathom uh, the situation of company being in losses, uh, even if it's growing, because to me, that seems, uh, that seems a little different from what we understand from, you know, what business really needs to stand for. So it's, a, it's an alien concept for me, a loss making company. So, uh, so it default was always aiming for profit. And that's how we also operate today. Like if you look at it today, do you think that money or raising money would have given you like huge, huge, very, very fast scale? You are very scaled and successful and profitable. But do you think in, kuch hota, matlab, anything that Maybe or may not be. I mean, uh, and again, we need to answer the question whether scale is something uh, which is good, A, and second, which you'll enjoy as an entrepreneur. I think yeah. these two questions are usually forgotten. Scale can work in, uh, I mean, if money is what you are just after, uh, even then scale may not work out because you end up diluting your company so much that in the end, if financial outcome you're looking for being a bootstrap and smaller scale company where you own a lot of between the founders, you know, the hundred percent of the company that might be a better outcome than owning like 10, 15, 20% of a large company. And yes. second, uh, the pressures for scaling. I mean, you sign up for something which... Uh, which may look very glorious when you're raising funding and you get articles in different newspapers and publications like even your story. It may <laughs> feel great for a short while, but of yeah. course it comes with a huge load of expectation, rightly so. Someone is giving you money and you better utilize it well. So if that starts impacting the quality of your life where next seven to eight years, you're really working hard and slogging. Again, you need to know what you're signing up for. And maybe it works for someone, but I think personally, uh, it, it, it hasn't worked. I mean, I, I, I enjoy being, uh, you know, part of this bootstrapped company where we like to do things at our own pace. This clarity, did you have that? Or this is a clarity which has come over time? Interestingly, I think this clarity has come from interacting with investors. So, uh, <laughs> so I mean, being like a profitable and growing company, you always have uh, investors who want to talk to you. They want yeah. to see if you would accept the money or not. And uh, so we are very open to conversations. I think conversations are a good way to build mental models. And every time we'll engage in some conversations, you know, uh, one thing or another would emerge, which will not click with the way I want to spend my future. And uh, then, you know, the question becomes why then you have to raise funding. So every time you engage with investors, one more, you get one more level of clarity. And you become more <laughs> confident in the choice you've made. So this is definitely over time. And I thank a lot of investor community for helping clarifying uh, a lot of this clarity. How, you know, you said engineering background and, and, and you didn't have product managers initially. And, and then you got the product and you found the market and there is a product market fit, if I may say. So how did you go about this process? Yeah, very same thing. Again, um, I think it's it's... It's a lot of iteration. I think that's the that's the part which is hard to internalize until you've gone through it. And I'm sure being an entrepreneur, you'll also understand uh, that uh, you have to just keep nudging at things until you see one sort of crack in this whole <laughs> surrounding. 
And then if you see that crack and by that crack, I mean that product market fit. Once you feel you have something which is uh, getting some traction in the market, then you have to just keep running after it, right? You have to become the best at occupying that small niche, uh, which you've somehow cracked. But making that crack by design, I think it's difficult. uh, because there's so many, I mean, good product also, I mean, it's, it's an ambiguous world, right? It's, uh, it yeah. doesn't say anything. Good product is always in context of a market and a customer set and, uh, understanding that fully, I think that can take years and decades. That's why just keeping at the problem and being patient with building things is how you do it. I mean, if you want to build a large company, there's no formula for it. The yeah. only thing is that you just have to keep, keep at the problem and, uh, you know, just, just hope, uh, that one thing would work out, but once that one thing works out, I think everything else becomes super easy. As an entrepreneur, as a founder, as a leader, what has been your journey and what are some of the things that you think you've done because of which also the company has come to this point? Hmm. Um, so I think, uh, I mean, I hadn't, I mean, I'd worked for one year somewhere, so I didn't have a lot of uh, so-called work experience. So that's why when uh, we were building uh, Wingify and same for Spursh, you know, uh, who's co-founder of Wingify, we we never sort of had preconceived notions of how work has to be done. I mean, uh, whether you have to come on time, whether you have to, mm-hmm. like all those sort of things, which I think slowly you become uh, accustomed to if you spend far too much time in a corporate company. And you start expecting that uh, work to ek tarike se hota na. Uh, but that's not the case. Uh, I think work happens in so many different ways that you have to really discover what works for you. And uh, that's why I think it's very important to keep introspecting and understanding yeah. what person are you as an entrepreneur. Because I genuinely feel the company is a reflection of entrepreneurs and founders. Because people who join your company after you started, they start mimicking your habits. So that culture deck you write, you know, that's useless because people read it and then forget about it. But the way you yourself behave, I think that people start mimicking things. For example, whether you, even as small things as whether you come on time on meetings or not, whether you take notes or not, whether you read a lot, whether you write a lot, and uh, whoever you as an entrepreneur writing organization will start uh, just being your reflection, almost like a mirror image. And that's why I think to grow a company, one has to grow himself or herself as an entrepreneur. And um, I know that was a little philosophical for, for no, 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 <laughs> but, but very, very, very true. Yeah. Yes, please. Uh, but that's, that's, that's what I believe that it's not about what you uh, say or do. Uh, I mean, it's not about what you say to people. Uh, it's really about what you do. So you have to really demonstrate things yourself and uh, the company will gradually sort of develop and adjust around it. For example, uh, customer, I mean, because I wrote the first code myself and for a long period of time, I was almost like single man company, uh, you know, before Spurs joined. So I was uh, just myself writing code, uh, writing marketing articles, doing customer support uh, and even taking sales demos and so on. Uh, so that gave like a lot of, uh, gut feeling to work, right. 
then next time a support person joined i was not talking to that support person in a very abstract fashion yeah i actually knew that uh, how many tickets per day is possible uh, what works when you write to a customer and what doesn't work and so on so that's what i mean when people say getting into details or attention to details i think that only happens if you yourself do a lot of work so that is why even to this date uh, i think uh, if there is something new which we have to kick start in a company i prefer to sort of do the prototype myself you know because uh, you can't just delegate something which even you don't have a gut feeling for so i like to develop a gut feeling for uh, even smallest of things first myself before having someone else scale those things so even for example customer support i would do like you know like 30 40 tickets in a day and wow. i was doing like the uh, i was just at it i would reply within 2 minutes and 3 minutes so when a customer support person would join and would see myself doing tickets and responding within a minute they would pick up this habit right yeah yeah i don't have to then tell that person ki you have to respond fast i have to demonstrate that this is possible and then they'll start you know mimicking it yeah yeah and similarly yeah. i think the second thing that worked was to have a very high standard uh, expectation quality expectation and i think that happened because i have a very high expectation for myself so i remember a lot of employees uh, you know they get sort of uh, surprised when i would point out like grammatical mistakes in their emails <laughs> and so on because i think the frame of mind probably from our college education or so on it's like uh, little details don't matter but i do feel that for great products uh, those details are exactly what matters um especially if you're selling globally right you can't have grammatical mistakes i'm just taking one very simple example but these little details again once you start picking on the culture then picks it up and uh, slowly everyone becomes you know tries to reach to your standard so ultimately i think the crux is you have to be the person who you want everyone else in your company to be global ambition did it come or was it there uh, again it was a non decision uh, just like bootstrapping because uh, there was never so this. many non decisions you have <laughs> all works out all your non decision is working out <laughs> yeah i mean i've been i mean i I'm, i i would say i was lucky in these regards it was not by design at all and yeah. it was not by design because i was just focused at building a great product and if you have a great product i think people seek you out rather than you have to push them out so it really didn't matter whether someone was in america or ghana or india or bangladesh uh, if they could use the product they will come and buy it yeah 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 so i i, mean, I actually not understood this thing i know a lot of entrepreneurs think building global products or whether in uh, they are building for india but now how do they build it to global but the whole point is if you build a really amazing product i think very few things sort of change your go to market yeah. definitely change there is a way to sell to indian market and there is a way to sell to american market but the fundamentally i mean we use iphone which is designed in california we use whatsapp facebook there if whatsapp same product is being used in brazil and india and us and europe then why do any why does anyone think that india built products cannot be used globally and they have to change something they have to just increase the quality that's it being a 1.3 billion people company we are actually more if you think that intelligence hard work and everything else is distributed like a gaussian curve or any other probability distribution which is in every country then we yeah. definitely have a lot more ambitious smarter intelligent people 
मगर हम थे ना दस पंद्रह बीस साल पहले थे दैट US is the epicenter when it comes to tech and mm, software and yeah. blah blah that's but market. i mean i think we have to realize that it's an epicenter because a lot of smart people have migrated to US yeah i mean even uh, companies uh, like google microsoft and, and all of the companies they're filled with indians right even ceo of google and ceo of microsoft uh, is an indian origin person so yeah uh, we just have to believe we can do it because it doesn't really matter ki india mein or us mein just if if you are an indian and you feel you can build something great you can build in us you can build in india also what's the big dream what's the big dream what's the big ambition which is my ambition is very simple uh, you know build really amazing things and i know this is not uh, something that you're looking for but again it's not i mean we definitely you know we want to continue growing continue be profitable but more than anything else i think we want to continue outdoing ourselves in what we've built so we want to build you know the most amazing products that uh, anyone in our market has seen and then again go and see if we can build another more good products in other markets so it's really again that builder instinct we want to keep out doing ourselves every year and that that's what motivates us wow. more than scale more than money more than anything else it's the quality of things we put out in the world what does money mean for you personally uh i think it's a sense of security uh, mm. uh fundamentally that uh, that you know you will not be f- forced to do things or forced to say or not say things that you don't believe in so i i just feel money is a way for uh, intellectual freedom for me because i'd hate to be you know in a situation where uh, i'm sort of filtering my thoughts i'm filtering my actions uh, because i'm dependent financially on something so yeah. money at the end of the day is uh, equivalent to freedom for me what do you think about all these unicorns and all these kind of valuations and businesses that uh, we have currently i mean someone someone thinks there's value in them so good for them um i mean i, I think again unicorn is i think it's an abused word uh, if unicorn is made equivalent to someone having done fulfilling work or someone having done something meaningful i mean suddenly if you are like a 900 million dollar company you're not less meaningful than a billion dollar company so yeah. it's it's very arbitrary in that sense and similarly i do think an indie hacker uh building like a side project can live a more meaningful and satisfying life than a founder or a ceo of a unicorn who may be miserable in some senses uh it's i think it's sort of being a unicorn or unicorn i think it's uncorrelated with whether you have a meaningful life or not what is the most anchoring thing in your life hmm i think it's definitely uh, uh my wife uh she's i mean uh her name is akanksha and um, uh, i have actually known her for last i think 15 15 years or so so it's been so it's been like you know spending rest of your life with uh, your best friend in that sense yeah. so uh, i've been again lucky to have her around me so non decision was it non decision <laughs> it was actually a non decision we we never even proposed to each other just oh. one day we felt uh he she she said that you know i've told my parents will get married and i'm like okay we never discussed that but that's fine that's <laughs> so ha uh, but but i i think she's the anchor and of course my parents also a big anchor if my father hadn't brought home a computer 
at that uh, stage i think i would not have been in love with programming and hence ningify would not have happened we are hearing news every day that start in startups and across people are being laid off or laws are taking place and it is tough what could you tell to all the youngsters to all the developers engineers entrepreneurs what how should they be processing this this next one year hmm i think when it comes to uh, again if if it's about job security or job insecurity uh i've been recommending a lot of young folks to continue doing side projects uh i mean you sh- every sort of disruption creates new opportunities and mm-hmm. uh, right now also there's so many opportunities waiting around uh for you know motivated entrepreneurs to take take make use of so rather than thinking that things are hopeless or so on i'm sure this will create many successful companies going forward so why not you know if you wanted to do a startup if you wanted to do a project uh, irrespective of whether you think the situation is gloomy or up i think you should be be on a lookout for interesting opportunities uh, they always remain there uh, and they're mm-hmm. always taken by the people who are motivated despite what's happening around so so my my advice would not to be you know uh, be gloomy or feel let down rather think of this as an opportunity and make the best out of it